buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good morning and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Gallagher here on 610 AM from uh, 12 until 1 this Saturday. And Gary, good afternoon. Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? Saturday, uh, cold, blustery, yucky yep. week that we just got through with the weather changing. I don't know about you, but it's too early for this stuff. Yeah, it is. I think that we were blessed so much this uh, this winter that maybe we're we're being, we're in payback mode to Mother Nature. You know. Well, yeah, I guess that's we can look at it like that. But it's still difficult, and I I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. You know, where they think, boy, this is really early for this weather to be settling in, and like the snow that we've had and everything, and. Uh, um, but it's just something that we have to deal with, and we'll get through it, and hopefully it's not too bad. I don't think so. I don't think it'll be too bad at all. I think that we'll get through it easily. So, um, hey, big night tonight. The uh, Big Ten is back in, and the Gophers are on national TV playing Michigan Wolverines. I know this isn't real estate, but it's excitable. Well, it, it is, and it's good to see that back. I mean, you know, some of these conferences have been playing college football here for a while, and uh, um, it's good to see the Big Ten back and the Gophers. And, 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 you know, most importantly, Jim, for all these student-athletes that have, like, they, they work so hard, they train so hard, and they put in so much of their lives to this stuff that they're able to get it resolved, especially the seniors that are involved in these programs. So it's good to see that. Yes, it is. So. It's all a good thing for sure. So, and we've got a big. Uh, uh, we're closing in on the presidential election, Jim. I mean, it's, it's it's surprising that you know we look at the mortgage interest rates uh, and how they've just been so incredibly low here for the, for the majority of this year. And uh, you know, I think you know what's going to happen after the election and. And all that type of stuff is always a big question that we have when we get to these these uh, major election cycles. And so I don't know what you think is going to happen. I, I don't think either one of us know what's going to happen with mortgage interest rates. We never seem to be able to um, hit them accurately. But I did notice yesterday that the uh, 10-year bond, Treasury bond market did start to go up. It had quite a jump yesterday. And so I don't know if that's an indicator. It had jumped a little bit here and there. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, but uh, definitely was a significant increase. Um, actually, it would have been on Thursday, you know, and so starting to approach that one percent, and uh, hasn't been there for quite some time. So yeah. it, it bears watching. We'll have to to watch because it's been such a good environment for purchases and refinances. I mean, so I don't know what you think is going to happen with those for a while. Um. I don't think it got to zero, but it was it didn't so get close. To zero. Yeah, but it was it was it was way down there. 
But I don't know. What do you think is going to happen with these mortgage interest rates? Are we going to stay in this like environment of, of just like under 3% or, or what's going to happen? Gary, let's do this. I'm predicting that the interest rates will go up. And you should do the same thing because God knows if we predict that the interest rates are going to go up, they're not going to go up. We've been wrong, we be absolutely right on this wrong on it every time for over 10 years. Well, and that's good. I mean, you know, it's it, it's such a good environment for, you know, purchasing real estate and refinancing, you know, your existing mortgage that, ah, it, it uh, why would they want to put them up? I mean, it's just, it, it's just a good thing. Everybody's doing well in real estate right now. And, and uh, I don't think, I think in some cases the values are, um, going, they're certainly going up, but I don't think, and tell me how you feel about this. I don't think they're out of control. And the other thing, I think the banking industry, the mortgage uh, lending industry is so regulated and, and has so many, uh, uh, safety checks in place for people that they, they're not going to let people that are want to buy a house get out of whack and, and, and upside down and buying a house. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they're they're going to be very safe about that, like they have been. The last recession, I'm sure, scared everybody, and 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 it's making a big difference. I think so. I, yeah, I I think that these, um, I, I actually, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think that the regulations and on, on, on how they're approving loans right now is pretty good, um, as opposed to when kind of the market came back after the uh, recession was sort of trying to end. Um, it just seemed like there were so many um, confusing requirements and different requirements at different lenders, and, and I think now it's it's uh, it seems like it's about normal and about probably where it should be. As long as they don't get you know crazy lenient on these things, we should be good. Well, you know the Dodd Frank Act that they uh, came up because of the housing recession was uh, just a whole you know revising the bank banking industry on a uh, um, massive level so and I think that took a, a couple of years you know for for everybody to grasp what it was and all these regulations uh, you know affected them and I, the real estate industry was certainly one of the industries that were affected by that and I, I, I recall that we were all trying to figure out you know well what does this mean and what does that mean and 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 it took us a little while to work through it but Right now, I think it's all second nature. We don't really think about it too much, and uh, uh, and and it's it's certainly a good thing for the for the marketplace that we can have a a little bit of comfort, and the markets can have a little bit of stability, knowing that we're not doing predatory lending practices out there at the level that we certainly were, uh, you know, in the two thousands, and and that there are some restrictions and regulations on on what what people can and can't do when it comes to financing. You know, I would say too the the other interesting thing that I've that I've at least heard um, in the last couple of weeks is I've had I've had more than a couple of buyers inquire about foreclosures, and you, you kind of didn't hear that you didn't hear the foreclosure word like even earlier this summer, and I'm not sure what's causing people to think that we are um, we are up in foreclosures or going up in foreclosures, but I'm not you know. I'm hoping that that isn't going to bring true, but I am kind of afraid of that a little bit. Once we get past the election and, and um, maybe the pandemic fades a little bit, I mean, I don't know where people are going to be sitting. 
So, um, well, uh, listen, I think this is a good point. And because, yes, I think we're going to see a spike in, in foreclosures. And I think the pandemic is, is really the cause of this thing. And a lot of people out of work. I mean, you know, if you can't pay your bills, it's going to happen. But look at what happened locally here. Uh, it was in the news this week with, about the St. Regis Apartments downtown. Um, they, the city shut it down and they had to uh, relocate all these people in, in that are, were in those apartments. And that's the apartment complex that's right above the cozy, uh, the old cozy bar and, and apartments down there. And um, uh, they interviewed one of the tenants on the local news this week. And, and he said, um, uh, or, or the reporter said that it's the tenants weren't able to pay their rent because of the pandemic. And so the, the landlord couldn't pay the bills and they shut the heat off and uh, it just kind of looks like a mess down there. But uh, they have to relocate uh, those tenants. And um, that, to me, is, is a sign of like, well, this pandemic and it has caused a lot of or it's caused some hardship when it comes to real estate. And that's, to me, one of the the. Uh, uh, the casualties of it, as well as I think the foreclosure numbers are going to spike. So yeah, I think you're going to see that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. I think that um, you know when this all kind of comes home to roost a little bit, um, we're not. Uh, you know, after the election and and after things start to normalize a little bit, yeah, we might see that for sure. So. I, I was very glad to read that um, it seems like the unemployment figures are pretty darn good um, and have been, you know, coming down. I think in the Twin Ports, and it's not alone here, I mean, man, if somebody wants a job, doesn't have a job, it's not hard to see that there are people out there that are hiring, um, even in this pandemic. So it's just, um, I'm hopeful on the employment numbers and that they're going to stay the same or stay, stay very strong even after we come out of this, uh, after we come out of where we're at. Well, let's hope so. I mean, let's let's hope that we get through the uh, the election all intact and everything's going to be okay with everybody, and uh, uh, we get back to some normal way of life, and um, you know, see some of the people that have been really affected by this if, if they're going to be able to recover from it. Right. So, um, what do you think about this fall? I mean, we we're, we're just around the corner from, and we got about a minute here to discuss this. We're just around the corner. From um, you know changing the, uh, the daylight savings time, um, what do you think our uh, our October, the end of October, November, and December are going to look like? What's your opinion in the Twin Ports? Well, I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy. I it, I can't see any immediate you know pullback or drop off. I think the seasonal stuff is going to happen uh, when we get to the holidays. But I do believe that the real estate market is healthy, and the reason I say that is. I'm, I'm certainly working with several buyers that are actively looking, and when they find something, they're going to buy it. And I don't think they care when or what time of year it is, as well as a couple of the sellers where sometimes I'll suggest to sellers that they pull their house off the market during the holidays, but they've said to me, no, don't want to do it. Keep our house on the market through the winter. We just That's what we're going to do. If it doesn't sell, that's fine, but we want it on the market. Well, and it seems I, I'm just looking at an article that maybe we'll talk about in one of the later um, um segments here that the fall home sales surge ahead of normal patterns and that's from the national association of realtors just from a day ago so anyway let's hope that let's hope that you're right and let's hope that the twin ports keeps rolling along all winter long so gary we're at a break here so folks you're tuned into the twin ports real estate show and we will be right back 
Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning, Gary Callagher from Remax Results. And Gary, before we get started with our next interview, why don't you give out your phone number? I can be reached at 218-390-0615. All right, and my number is 218-348-7653. Okay, Gary, we have a we have a recurring guest coming on. We've got Barb Monte on the phone from the Duluth Landlords Association, and Barb has been on with us several times graciously over the years and um, there are some happenings in the landlord world in the Twin Ports and we'd like to talk to Barb about it so I would like to welcome Barb Monte to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Good morning or good afternoon Barb, how are you? <laughs> I'm just fine, how about yourself? We're pretty good. Our, our pandemic radio show um, causes us to be kind of separated and away from the studio so this will be the first time we've interviewed you when you're not standing right across from us but uh, things should work out fine Gary and I have been doing this for a while so Gary why don't you bring us up to speed on um, what exactly it is that we want to talk about well Jim you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about the um, potential insurance mandate that the uh, fire chief for the city of Duluth has um, proposed that landlords that aren't paying insurance or don't have insurance on their their, their properties, their rental properties, <clears throat> that they be mandated to to purchase uh, insurance to cover their building, their their property, and those types of things. <clears throat> and you know, we we discussed you know what our thoughts were on it, and it's one of those sh- shake your head type of moments where it's like, well, who in the world wouldn't insure their property? To begin with, I mean, it was one of those issues, uh, and and then and then mandated it. And we 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 talked and brainstormed a little bit after the fact about what potential, you know, how could something like this uh, be implemented in, in terms of just a mandate. And and I think one of the uh, Barb and I were talking, and I think uh, Barb and I, uh, uh, you know, through were throwing around. It's like, well, geez, what if they uh, during a, a licensing cycle, you know, you have to have your buildings relicensed every three years. What if during that uh, renewal of your rental license, you had to prove that you had homeowner's insurance um, instead of making it a mandate? You know, it's just part of the licensing uh, process. And so, Barb, I don't know what you think about that. And I know that we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if you've had a chance to talk to any of the other landlords. But what's kind of the the vibe going out there in the in the landlord world about that particular issue? Well, thanks for bringing that up. I have talked with a couple of landlords. Unfortunately, uh, we have not been meeting lately, but a few of them did reach out. And, um, you know, just insurance is a lot more complicated than we realize um, because there's all different kinds. And just because we have insurance doesn't mean that if there's a fire, the building will be restored. Um, so, So that's curious. And, you know, the couple of people who did reach out were just like, really, you know, mandate us, mandate everyone. Um, you know, so why just rentals, I guess, was kind of my takeaway on it. And I have yet to be able to contact um, one of the people who don't have insurance. And I'd really like to talk to them and find out just why, you know, what kind of reasons they might come up with, because it might be a whole different conversation. Well, I'm very curious. I mean... Are you aware? I mean, are there? Is this a big problem? Or I'm assuming it's a very minor problem. But I mean, what's your opinion on that? Are there a lot of landlords out there that don't have insurance on their buildings? 
No, the fire chief, you know, was quoted in the newspaper as saying that it is not a large problem. It is only a few properties. And I think it's because those properties then chose not to do anything about those properties sitting there um, in that burned state that someone got to thinking and went to the council and said, hey, what if we, um, you know, passed an ordinance requiring people to have insurance? I think one of the bigger things, too, is that when this happens, um, obviously, I think the number one issue is blight. And, you know, the the buildings become an eyesore for the, uh, uh, you know, the neighborhood that they exist in. And I mean, I'll, I'll just refer to the cozy uh, bar down down. I mean, how many years have we been dealing with that? And, and I got to tell you something, you walk down there and it really looks trashy. And I wish we could get that whole situation resolved down there. But that was that was a, a classic example of a fire in an uninsured building. Yeah. And so, you know, it. it, it it's an eyesore for the city. It's uh, it's displacing tenants in an already difficult rental environment within the city. So I think there's a lot of those uh, issues that that the city just says, "Hey, you know, we, we got to figure this out." It's uh, on, on on some level, and um, you know, maybe not mandating, but uh, it's like you know, you get pulled over when you drive a car if you go speeding. You know, what do you have to do? You have to show your proof of insurance. And, and I think it's a similar thing. That could be a very simple thing. It's like, well, you know, here's your license renewal, and uh, you got to prove you got insurance on it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I guess my response to that is car insurance is simple, and uh, property insurance is much more complicated and complex. Um, and, you know, if a car has an accident, not just pulled over, but if a car actually has an accident, you have an opportunity to take that insurance money and just pocket it and not make the car drivable anymore. So it sits as a blight in a, you know, recycling yard, but it has wheels on it. So, you know, the, the difference is, is even if we have insurance, we don't have to fix the property. What about this, Barb? Well, Let- and what ahead, I, what Gary and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago when this first came out was, you know, let's say that you're in an area where there's there's a lot of multifamily dwellings, and we know that the inventory in, you know, in Duluth and Superior can be older. If one of these situations occurs where, um, yeah, can you shut that door? Sorry, excuse me. Um, one of these situations occurs where your neighbor's house um, is damaged due to fire or or other. Um, and they do not repair it, and it becomes blight next to you, uh, or next to one of your buildings, and now you might have a hard time getting a tenant to be either interested in staying at the property, or uh, if one of the units is vacant, to to actually have a hard time renting it. I kind of think that maybe it's um, an equal thing here. I mean, I think these landlords should, should not... Maybe I, I think it's a good idea. I guess is what I'm saying. But what is your opinion on that? If it's if that situation were to occur, well, I guess then it should be a Duluth mandate and not a landlord mandate. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that um, at all either. I guess. How about you, Gary? Well, I'm. Uh, you, you know, I think when it comes to rentals, it. I think there's a. Um, uh, first and foremost, I'm just. I, I support. Insu- having your real estate insured. I don't care if it's a rental property or if it's if it's your own 
property that you live in. I, I support it. I think people should do it. Um, you know, but when it comes to rental property and it comes to people and, and lives that are, um, they, they kind of rely on the person that owns the building to provide as safe uh, a property as possible. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm just, I support it. I support having to have insurance. And really one of the bigger reasons to me is um, if something does happen and I'm the owner of that building, I, the loss of rents things to me is the it's just so important. I mean, when you when you're if your building burns down or catches fire and, and you have to remove everybody and you've had it 100 percent occupied, guess what? Your insurance policies, if you have these riders, they cover the loss of rents, and it it, it just seems like a no brainer. And I, that's why this one just always has me shaking my head. It's like. Why don't these people just insure their properties? You know, but but I agree with Barb. I'm like I'm I'm I support it across the board. I don't care if you live in your house or if it's a rental property. I think you should have insurance. Yeah, I think other one of the other problems, Barb, and I'll have your comment on this is that <clears throat> sometimes in certain situations, especially a property that might be a little run down, it's hard to place insurance. You know, it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to find that policy. There are there are policies that get non renewed, you know, because they come out and investigate and they decide, you know what, we don't want that in our inventory. And then sometimes it's hard to replace it. Any comments on that, Barb? It is true. You know, just like I mean, people like to make a comparison of a car, and there are cars that you cannot get anything other than liability on. You right. cannot insure the car because of its age, because it would be too expensive to replace. And so, you know, um, yeah, I had to get, um, I don't know, the insurance, the state insurance for a property because there had been um, an issue with it. And if you get too many claims and all those things affect it. So property insurance, like I said, is a lot more complicated. You know, maybe if we did have citywide mandate that all properties be insured, we might have to hire another city employee just to follow up on all those insurances and all those properties. But, you know, what people don't realize when they move to Duluth and buy a property is that that property doesn't go by today's codes. So a lot of times it doesn't have railings, it doesn't have smoke detectors, it doesn't have carbon monoxide detectors, and a lot of unsuspecting you know, buyers in Duluth, um, buyer beware, they don't realize that the property doesn't have railings. So I'd like to have, you know, inspections for all Duluth properties and insurance for all properties. But we just pick on the landlord. You know, that's not that's not unusual in the state of Minnesota, in the city of St. Paul, and the city of Minneapolis. I know for sure um, they do have these inspection requirements. Truth and housing down in Minneapolis. In so, housing, yeah, in every meet, every building there is. Yes, they do. And you have to meet certain standards, and that's just the way it is. And uh, we don't have that here at Duluth uh, yet. And uh, don't give them any ideas, Jim. But, well, I, uh, you know what? I, I'll tell you what. That. My my just sold my daughter a house in St. Paul, and I had one of these City of St. Paul inspection reports, and I have it. Um, and it's quite interesting. I I actually think that it's so basic um, that. Uh, I shouldn't say it's so basic. I, I think that it's 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 safety related, and um, they don't require that everything that they flag gets fixed. They just they just disclose it in this report that everybody gets a copy of. I I I sold in Minneapolis when, in in St. Paul when they had these requirements, and I remember 
selling a couple of properties in Minneapolis proper, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it had been in the cycle so long um, that they were doing these things that it was not a big deal at all. Nobody worried about it, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I know that there's probably cases where they make them fix things up, but I think that's for the betterhood of the neighborhood as well, not just the building itself, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. properties on both sides of me are not licensed because they are not rentals. And they have second floor doors that go out onto a flat deck with no railing whatsoever. And they have had children in those houses. And, you know, that child could open that door and go out and fall off that roof. There's zero railing. And you know what's true about that, Barb? <clears throat> Is I sold a house... Um, over by UMD with the same situation, there was a there was an open deck on the second floor, and you know what the lender made us do? Board up the door. Mm-hmm. And so there was one well, two by like four. Safety does that too. You have the choice yeah. of either putting up a railing or eliminating the door. Yeah, but you we know, all know that when you when you eliminate or just I mean when you just block the door, as soon as that property was closed, um, you know that 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 two by four came off of that door. Yeah, but I mean, how silly is it to not have a railing? And these properties have sold three times in the last five years. Yeah. And how silly is that? So, I mean, if, you know, anyway. So I just think that when we are talking about mandates for properties, why don't we look at all properties instead of just rentals? Yeah. Barb, there's another issue that has come up uh, regarding landlords here as well. And for the past couple of weeks, landlords received a letter from St. Louis County and it uh, indicated that um, the they're concerned about COVID and they're concerned about large gatherings. And the uh, the letter basically indicated that if, um, if these houses, and I'm assuming they were referring to college rentals, uh, are caught with gatherings of more than 10 people or whatever the number was, and there's been uh, proof that COVID came during one of those events that the, the the landlord or the owner of the property could be fined because of that. Is that true? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I actually did get to speak with Amy Westbrook um, because whenever something comes to me, I do try to do more research on it. And so she did tell me that they are able to determine that some of these are traced to gatherings in the college population. And here's a situation where they sent it out to all rentals not just rentals with students because they can't um, discriminate and they can't identify. So those people who called me are like, what? You know, if my 50-year-old tenant is going to have a baby shower for her um, daughter-in-law and she has 11 people come over, am I in violation? <laughs> so what I'm just encouraging people to do is put in their lease um, the 1025 gathering rule. So 10 people inside, 25 outside. And that if they're going to break that rule, that they need to notify the, the landlord um, because that is a violation or that's a lease exception. And I think it's a great rule, period, across the board. Hmm. Well, we got about 45 seconds left in this segment. So, Gary, what, what, what are the thoughts do you have? Well, I think the, um, you know, I got one of those letters too. I have one rental property left and, and I read it and I'm like, well, uh, at first, it, I, I got concerned, but as I read through it, I'm like, well, my rental's not going to have people of 10 gathering. It's a family that lives in there. So I wasn't overly concerned, but then Barb called me about it, and, and I started thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know, I mean, this is this is a little bit of a, of a um, I don't know if it's precautionary or if it's something to where, you know, 
They just want to get the word out. It's like, guys, we're concerned about this pandemic. Just be aware of this stuff, you know, because I'm not, I'm not aware of anybody being fined at this point. But uh, um, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. And I, and I'm not sure if any landlords have commented on it, Barb. But um, I have had calls, and it does bring up the moratorium on evictions, which is a whole other topic. All right. Well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a break here, Barb. Can you come back after our break for a minute? I sure can. All right. Folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be right back. Your Twin Ports home for UMD Bulldog Hockey. Shot score! UMD! KDAL. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ron and Gary Callagher here with our special guest, Barb Monte from the Duluth Landlords Association. You know, Barb, um, if people want to get more information about the Duluth Landlords Association, um, getting involved or just basically questions about what it is that you do, how would they get a hold of you or website you know, or whatever? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We don't, I'm a volunteer, so unfortunately I'm not a very good webmaster, so I don't have that going, but I just say probably email me. It's um, my name, Barb Monte, B-A-R-B-M-O-N-T-E-E at gmail.com. And that might be the safest way to get a, get in touch with me. Yep. Okay. So we were just talking uh, about oh. the the gathering rule of it's it's um ten inside and was it twenty twenty outside? Twenty five. Ten twenty five. Ten and twenty five. Um so I wonder, um this does not apply only to rentals. Would that apply to every house in the city as well? It it applies to all social gatherings in the state, I believe. Okay. Um so it's the Executive Order 20-63, the 1025 Executive Order. Well, but I will say this. when The letter that, that we received was not addressed to us as, as the homeowners of the house we live in. It was, it was addressed to us as the owner of a rental property. That's how it was termed. So it, 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 it really didn't specify and break down that, hey, we're concerned across the board about this. It, to me... I read it as this is a, 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 a rental property issue. It was addressed to dear rental property owners, yes. And the university also sent out uh, notice to their students. And, um, you know, they're just identifying that perhaps students are um, at bigger risk. I did reach out to some of my students. I said, hey, what do you think about this? She said, I work at Applebee's, and I wish I could say to my customers, stay home. We were on a 20-minute wait this weekend, <laughs> and she said, I'd rather not have that many people in the restaurant. Hmm. So, Are you of aware them- of any of your tenants uh, being sick with this uh, COVID barb? Anybody testing positive? No, but I have had tenants use it as an opportunity to not have me visit their property. So that's an interesting thing. And it wasn't a college student. Um, and so people are getting, you know, notices from schools and workplaces to, you know, quarantine. Um, somebody was having a birthday party uh, for, a, you know, 10-year-old, and the birthday party got canceled because she had to go into work at the nursing home. So we're hearing COVID all over the place, <laughs> but not so far excuse me, in the rental situations. Hmm. Barb, uh, can you bring us up to speed on what's going on with the uh, rental licensing process. I know during the COVID, once we got into it, they had suspended some of those operations and some of the uh, life safety officers that do the inspections, they weren't even working. And so have, have they resumed the rental inspections, rental licensing inspections? And what's the status of that? Are you 
in contact with anybody at the city level? I certainly am. I've had a couple inspections and all inspectors are back to work with COVID precautions. So when they enter a property, they just, you know, double check that people are wearing masks and that they're safe. But all inspectors are back to work. Uh, you know, just like a lot of city employees, they were on, on COVID leave and um, even the library is calling back um, staff. So it's, things are getting back to, um, you know, getting together, but in a different way. You know, I I I want to give the a hats uh, uh you know a, a hats off to um, the inspectors themselves. I've I've come into a uh, run into two of them with a couple of properties I have for sale, and I just got to tell you that they they work with you very nicely, um, very easy. It's not it's not a nerve wracking inspection, that's for sure. Um, so I I think they do a great job, and uh, I think once it's normal like that, it becomes very easy. What's the new news about it, though, is they have divided things into districts. We do have a new uh, lead housing inspector, and one of the changes that has come about is that the inspector is now assigned a district, and perhaps those districts will change in a year's time so that people get moved about or whatever, and they share the um, they share the opportunities. But um, you will, if you have your property or properties in a particular area, you'll most likely be seeing the same inspector. I got it. Well, Barb, what about the, uh, uh, the real estate licensing process? I know there was a lot of turmoil that we went through as we got into the, uh, uh, you know, and I'll go back to 2007 through, say, 2015 or 2016. And there was a lot of, of, of concern in the, with the inconsistencies of the rental inspections and those types of things. Have they gotten consistent at these inspections with, with what they're doing uh, for the rentals? And do we have enough manpower to conduct the necessary uh, inspections as they come up on an annual basis? Because I believe we lost a couple of these inspectors. And uh, so what's the status of, of that type of stuff? You know, I, you know I, I can't speak for them, but it's my understanding that they are back to full force of the number of inspectors that they are allowed to have, you know, with city and, and budget and those things. And I don't think that they're very behind, although, you know, don't quote me on that. Um, my inspections have been coming fairly regularly. So, um, you know, it, it's not like that backlog that we had years ago when the whole campus area, <laughs> people got in, uh, licensed even if they weren't going to have tenants um, just because they were protecting their property value. So, so I think they're doing a great job. I think they are, um, you know, doing the best they can to try and be as consistent as possible. Um, one thing they did start doing though, which they hadn't done before was if you have a garage at a rental property, um, they are going into the garage and they had never um, asked to do that before. So that's kind of a new, new area. So, you know, if you've got outlets in there, make sure that they are, um, up to today's code or up to, you know, you know, somehow wiring in properties. It's a tricky thing. You'd never realize it, but it's a lot trickier than, than the average homeowner <laughs> is aware. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and, I, and I'll say this too, and I'll go back to, and we all remember Jim, and I can never could say his last name, right? Maldozniak, or they called him Jim Mudd. And, um, you know, he was around that licensing uh, office for, a couple of decades and he I thought was one of the most important people for bridging the gap between the landlords and the city when all of the 
uh, you, you know, the regulations started to arise for rental properties in the city of Duluth. And he did a tremendous job on, on, on the communication between the two parties. And he was a big advocate for the landlords. Uh, but he was also, you know, uh, an employee of the city and he had to do his job. And, and so I, I always liked and appreciated that guy and everything that he did for the, the rental community. And, uh, and I hope things are the same. I'm, I'm certainly a little bit removed from, from the involvement in it like I used to be. But um, I've always enjoyed our city and their approach to life safety within rental units. I've always thought that we've been ahead of the curve with a lot of cities. And I've always thought that they've done a great job. And so uh, I hope that's still the case. I would say that too. Jim is the reason why I started the landlord group because he was a person who really wanted those connections. And Sarah followed in his footsteps. I think she did an outstanding job. And now we have Michelle and we look forward to working with her as well. She's new, so we don't have a lot of history with her. But the fact that she has taken things on and she's, um, you know, she's making some changes that are, I think are positive changes. So we just, we support our inspectors and we um, know that they support us as landlords. And we just, we carry on trying to do the best job we can for the city of Duluth and the people in it. All right. So we got about three minutes left here. And I have a question that I don't think we've ever asked on this show. Cause I, I'm seeing more and more for rent signs up and around town. So my question is I'm out of, I'm out of the rental business now for, for many years how is the market? Well, you know, there's a lot of freshmen that are at the university in the dormitory. The dormitories are at 65% occupancy. I have that from my 31st annual neighborhood meeting notes that they sent out because I live in the campus area and they get together with us once a year. But because of that, those those kiddos in the dorm, they're like, we don't want to be in a dorm. We want to be off campus. So they are calling and looking for places to rent for June 1st. So those okay. signs that you're seeing are June 1st rentals. Okay, so so the 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 addition of all these new buildings that have come in hasn't hasn't really affected the market yet or has it affected the market on some of these older more established rental properties? I think it's affected it in that people are not interested in paying the top dollar that the the new constructions are charging and they need to charge more because they're new constructions. And so, and you know, they, um, they are more expensive than, uh, than a rental that has been established. So, and the university is not going to build a dormitory at this point in time because their numbers are down. So I'm a little disappointed about that, but I completely understand. And as a business person, I would never build a property at this uh, dorm on a campus at this time, but I hope that they do. I hope they don't lose sight of that. Right. All right. We got about 30 seconds here left in this segment. Barb, why don't you give out your email address again, just in case anybody wants to get a hold of you. Sure. It is Barb Monte, B-A-R-B-M-O-N-T-E-E at gmail.com. All right, Gary, any last closing thoughts on this segment? Well, well, I just want to say thank you to Barb. We always, we appreciate your time. And uh, I know it's been a while since you've come in and uh, thank you for coming back on the real estate show and getting us up to speed. Yeah. If you want to talk about that eviction moratorium, you know, let me know about that. Uh, You know, we got four minutes left. If you can hang in there. (laughs) I can. All right. All right, folks, we're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about the eviction moratorium because I think that's an important one, too. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Phone number again real quick. I'm at 218-390-0615. 
And my number is 218-348-7653. All right, let's get back, right back into our guest with Barb Monte of the Duluth Landlords Association. How about the moratorium? Let's talk about it. Yeah, well, all across the city, or all across the state, um, there is concern because, you know, obviously COVID happened and people were concerned about folks being homeless. And so they thought a moratorium on evictions would be a good idea. And like a lot of things, on the surface, it made sense. But now that it's been going on, how do we back out of it? How do we you know, considerately back out of it. We do need to evict people. For example, even with this letter that went out about requiring our tenants to not gather more than 10 people inside, 25 outside, and wear masks, um, and they, you know, say that we could get charged as being the property owner, one of the charges that we are supposed to do then is have some way of enforcing our lease. One of the ways we enforce a lease is by threat of eviction or eviction itself. And we're not allowed to do that at this point in time. Um, there's a few exceptions. And so I do need to learn more about it. And I need to um, watch some, some videos about it and um, try and understand it from all the perspectives again. You know, I was, was, reading, about, I was reading about this nationwide and... <clears throat> There's, there's one interesting term that they came up with in New York City, and they're saying there is a growing concern of an eviction tsunami, <laughs> which I found an interesting way to put it. Yeah, well, unfortunately, some of us have gone for months without rent. Some of us have been able to get our tenant to apply for the money that is there. It's COVID money. I actually got a check in the mail yesterday for... $5,250 because I haven't got rent since June. Um, oh, my Lord. Right? So, yay, I was able to get the tenant by working with him to to do that. But I still, and this, just so you know, it's not in the city of Duluth. I have a rental in another town. But um, it's a concern. Now there's a police report. Um, you know, there's all these different issues that can come up in renter situations. And People, you know, the neighbors would like us to take care of it, and how do we do that? Um, so are you saying that with this moratorium that this isn't just um, rent-related, but if somebody's uh, doing criminal nuisance activity type stuff or they're a threat to, you know, the their uh, neighbors, that type of stuff, they still can't be evicted? There is a caveat, but... If you've ever done anything with the legal system and a judge gets to make a decision, each judge sort of makes their own decision. And then there's that Supreme Court judge kind of situation going on. But this is a new untested area. So each community's judge is going to make their own decision as to what is or is not grounds for eviction during this moratorium time. A lot of advocates of housing are looking at this being our new platform to be able to push housing issues. But if they are not willing to back off of eviction moratoriums, we're going to see a lot of people damaged um, in a lot of ways because we have no recourse in terms of I actually have a zero eviction rate. I don't evict. I try and work with the people because I'm small, 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 small. But there are large property owners out there with large properties that take a lot of tenants across the board with lots of different issues. 
All right. Well, unfortunately, we are we are out of time. I I meant to give you a minute's notice, but it just it just went. So um, we could certainly continue this uh, conversation in weeks upcoming if you want to, Barb. But um, right now we got to be done. So Barb Monty, thank you for uh, thank you for being our guest. It was very very informative. This hour went so fast for us. Um, and Gary, um, you know, we'll talk again next week for the next Twin Ports Real Estate Show. And folks, thank you again for listening. We've got to get out of here. Or we'll get cut off. Thank you for listening to Twin Ports Real Estate Show. FM, 610 AM, KDAL, Duluth Superior, on Midwest Communications Station.